We've heard it before. Natural selection. Only the strong survive. But here's a thought. What if relinquishing how you survive is the key to embracing the transition? The very lesson to self-mastery isn't found in what we used to get what we want. It's only the why you hold on to such a belief. Usually through survival modes, we try to explain what's at stake while validating the existing usage of those resources. This usually is to maintain the resonance to our existence based in that identity. But what if I told you strong and weak are the same coin? What if when you realize those red flags you keep raising are only the fears of awakening and learning, taking in that understanding that there will always be casualties to, to exalting your authentic authority in your life. It's time to rise. Welcome to the God Hour. Tap it in 
to the true power of you is going to shift you to the very core. But before we get into this session, you know I gotta give you that reading, gotta give you that weekly clarity. So, turn it up. Whether you're getting dressed or however you're taking on your day. Make sure you're becoming fucking great. Welcome to the God Hour. You know, as always, we get into this weekly reading. I want to do more in depth. Spirit said do something more in depth. So I pulled three oracle cards in to pair with the energy of today's reading. Give us a little guidance. The cards that I pulled from my oracle deck, unity, perspective, and efficiency. These are three of the major keys when it comes into the natural selection process of embracing this transition. So let's get these cards shuffled real quick. Pull off five to survive. A lot of times we're looking at our old unities. A lot of the times we're looking at our old aspects or the things that pair with our unity due to the factor of it keeps our perspective efficient to simply reaction. But remember, I told you, perspective is found in the darkness. Efficiency is the potential of understanding how we need to apply to embrace the new perspective. Got the cards, let me hit them one more. Hit them one more quick shuffle. There you go. Alright, first card to pull off, the foolish man, that represents aspects of your journey, where you at right now. Second card, the sun, represents that need for that soul work, opening up to that journey for that soul work. Third card, queen of wands, represents the decisions that are nurturing the efficiency of moving forward in your journey. Card number five, five of pentacles. I mean, card number four, five of pentacles. Represents that material trouble. So that shows that the decisions that you're making right now, are they nurturing your growth and understanding that the troubles that you're going through right now, that means the path may seem a little bit murky, but there's a reason for it. And that's pulled up in card number five, Princess of Pentacles. It's an opportunity to, once again, assess the unity, the bonds, and how are they helping with your perspective? If it's not efficient, if it's efficient, based in reaction, it's messing up your opportunities. A lot of these times we come into that space. You're coming into your journey. 
you're coming into your path. Remember, the wise can play the foolish man, but the foolish man cannot play the role of the wise. As of late, a lot of light's been shined on a lot of aspects of your life in, in regards to your perspective. Maybe you're sitting in your position and you're noticing that a lot of the old holdings, the old accounts, the old investors in your life aren't serving a purpose to your new perspective. Remember, your perspective is found in your darkness. Your perspective is how you integrate with your shadow. So many times we depend on the unity of the external to keep us shining light on issues. And sometimes these issues are due to a lack of nurturing a lot of times. It's due to a lack of nurturing. It's due to a lack of guidance. Because remember, nurturing and guidance, they're only found in becoming emotionally present. So due to that lack of emotional presence, you're finding yourself, maybe the job's not working, the relationship is not where you wanted it to be, the job's not where you wanted it to be, the friendships, the relate, whatever it is, is not where it wants, where you want it to be. But I'm gonna give you an aspect on perspective. Your perception has you thinking it's not where you want it to be, but your perspective is gonna force you to see it's exactly where it needs to be. Your job is exactly where it needs to be right now. That relationship is exactly where it needs to be right now. See, until you embrace that truth, that level of honesty, the echoes that are coming from the Princess of Pentacles, illustrated in the, illustrated in the Princess of Pentacles, is showing you the opportunity that some of these bonds that you created based on taking external responsibility are the very things that are augmenting your perspective. See, a lot of times that guilt, it echoes. And the Princess of Pentacles illustrates sitting with that echo. Remember, I've talked about this echo system before. If I'm living in regret, doubt, these fear bases, then of course, what am I going to attract? How am I gonna use to create my space? That means that friendship, relationship, bouncing off of it, no matter what happened, this is the most important part, no matter what happened, are you seeing the relationship based on where you're at, where you want to be at, or where you need to be at. 
See, sometimes when we look at relationships, for example, we'll see them as what we saw them as at first. Especially if there was a trigger to trust, a trigger to respect, some type of trigger that hit one of your wants. Maybe the scenario didn't work out the way you wanted it. And now what you're seeing echoing is you feel it's not going anywhere, but it's exactly where it needs to be. See, this is where that emotional presence comes in. My perspective in my efficiency is based on not avoiding the emotions, but sitting in them. So that means if I'm inside of a space and a conversation is making me feel uncomfortable, I have to realize that I need that discomfort or it wouldn't show up. See, until I realize that I need the discomfort, I'll go to places that validate my reaction. Remember, I've broken this down before. A lot of times, due to the traumatic experience, you not uh, seeking that, not forgiving, not thanking for what happened to you, that emotional energy echoes through your life. So it doesn't matter what happens in whatever relationship, friendship, whatever it is, it's the same echo. It's the same echo. You got hurt. So now you look for the hurt. You look for the reason to be hurt because it keeps you in that same pattern. But if you're noticing in this space right now, since 2020 at least, COVID hit. I can't stress this enough. COVID hit. And through COVID hitting, it exposed some things. It exposed those cracks that were already present. Similar to the year before that, there was something that exposed the cracks that were already present. See, what you're seeing now is you got to deal with those cracks. It's always been about the shadow and what you left in that shadow. So now you're in a space where it's magnified. You're looking at every, you dreading every Mercury, Mercury retrograde, every Pluto retrograde, every Chiron retrograde, every moon. You blaming it on that when that's only magnifying what you haven't dealt with. See, that's what that path is all about. It's not about the result. It's about embracing what comes to the light. Learning how to nurture the emotions as they come to the light. Understanding that those casualties are the opportunities in order to assess the new opportunity. See, that old sense of unity, you're noticing that it's draining you more. Your perspective isn't holding up. You're not able to move with the efficiency that you moved with before. You're noticing that. So I give you this question. Are you ready 
to embrace the transition. I'm gonna let you know this now. Some of you have asked for this over and over and over again. Some of you have asked for it through the vibration of your doubt. And now that it's coming up on either end of that coin, you don't know how to deal with it. It's okay. I'm gonna give you the key in order to embrace it. It's time to sit down with yourself. It's time to face what you've left in the dark this long because it's only gonna get deeper. It's only gonna get more overwhelming more anxious it's only going to become more because in order for you to embrace that is of what is authentically for you you got to shed these layers this has been your weekly clarity if you want to get more personal or you're ready for a consultation, stay tuned to the plug talk and we'll get you plugged in. After this break, we'll get straight into this session. Welcome to the God Hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Another episode of the Guide Out Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Papa Lucifer Samdi, your co-psychologist, your shaman. Today's message is there to be authentic. Natural selection. Embracing the transition. Understanding everybody can't go. Relationships, friendships, everything inside of your space, remember, is that tool to help you observe and or experience. The things that trigger that emotional, to force you to become emotionally present versus the things that you now observe inside of your space. One of the biggest keys to that is raising these red flags. Now, we've looked at So many red flags have come up in my day and all of these aspects, red flags will pop up. But it's easy for me to look at the red flags based on, remember, we're relearning. So a lot of things that we got to relearn is, one thing is stability is not comfort. Biggest thing, stability is not comfort. So therefore, the thing that you find comfort in based on the traumatic experience, based on the precondition, based on you wanting to live that life, based on wants and not understanding the standard of my needs, that condition, based on your conditions, that entitlement, is them red flags. We can say red flags all day, but until we can properly express 
what it triggers with inside of ourselves really ain't doing no work. I want you to remember this. What we ignore of our darkness raises a red flag in the light. The red flags are these points where we must learn to surrender to the faces of our conflicts. A lot of you have red flags when it comes to, we'll start with relationships. A lot of y'all have red flags based on the conditions of your wants. Yeah, I said, I, I, I'm gonna say it again. A lot of us have, I used to have, remember, I remember for myself, I had red flags that would come up or what I would call a red flag and it was based on the, con the conditional settings of my wants. Like the aspect of you want somebody that makes money. Okay, take this thought in your mind. There are, you can see somebody that's a million, that's making money every single day. They got millions and billions of dollars, but they're not stable. Remember, stability is not comfort. Stability is my ability to assess my resources and assess my standard and raise my standard based on those resources. That means whatever goal I set is based on whatever role. The goal that I set is not based in comfort. Everything that you're doing, you're not doing it based on... Remember, we're getting out of this comfort zone. Remember, reaction is comfort. As long as I can react to it, I'm comfortable. It's when I can't react to it that I'm not comfortable anymore. Now I'm outside of my element. Now I'm now my emotions are at play. Now I'm sitting inside of that space. So this goes back to those conditions. A lot of times we have a lot of conditions based on what we want, but we don't understand the keys of what we want why we wanted in the first place the belief that we put behind what we want what we're trying to do because it it becomes reality when you start thinking about it it's like you go to get the job because you want to say you ain't lazy where did you learn that from you saw your mom you saw your dad every single day go get up and work and after they were done at work they would come home and they would lay down and they were tired. Yeah, because they exhausted their energy. Or you saw your, or some of y'all had experiences where you saw your mother doing all the work and your father figure would just be at the house not doing anything. All of these play keys in what created your spectrum of red flags. I've talked about the story before. I'm talking about with my mother. My mother never worked a day in her life. My father, they, my father came from that old school environment where my mother didn't have to work. All she had to do was maintain the house. So most of the arguments that my mom and pops had, nine times out of 10 were based on my mother not taking care of the house a certain way. So like, but there was never a conversation. So when it came into the space for me coming in my earlier aspects, you got to work. I know how to do all this stuff for myself. So like I got stuck within that, that paradigm of thought. The That's why you hear people going back and forth with like the 50-50 thing and 
And I've broken down that 70-30 rule, like that 50-50 thing. You do this and I do this. And if so basically, it was always based on something from my darkness. The only reason that I would see a red flag about somebody saying something or being in a relationship and certain things would come up like, you don't do this, this, and this, or you don't do this, this, and this. It's because I set a definition in my mind based on the conditions. They had a definition in their mind based on their conditions. And without us both being present emotionally, without us both being present in this state to learn, we just wanted to build in our conditions. We never faced the conflicts. So you're thinking about you being angry all the time. I remember going back and looking at my mother being in a room, being in her room. And I remember my mother suffered from this aspects of depression in this state. And my pops come home angry from work. Something happened. The normal black people in America type thing. Like he was the, he knew more than the guy, the, the white boys at the job or whatever. So he'd be angry. So my mother would take it similar to how my grandmother would take it the same way until everybody was like, you missed all the red flags, girl. Same things are going to your space now. You sitting here thinking about these red flags. Oh, that's a big red flag. He don't do this. Oh, that's a big red flag. Ooh, he don't want kids. That's a big red flag. Oh, he don't want to... He don't want to be around us. That's a big red flag. He don't want to be around your friends. You got to think about the energy of that person in that space. Remember, I was watching the video earlier today. You got to remember everything in your space. When you really start embracing your authentic authority and you want to start exalting yourself and take yourself to the next level, every relationship in your life, before you start this healing process and doing this internal work, it represents where you were. It represents the lessons of where you were in your wise. That's why when you start doing the healing work and we talk about letting go and they talk about toxicity and all these aspects, everybody that comes in the current state based on connection, they represent where you're trying to go. So that's why naturally inside of your space, you'll look at somebody and say it's a red flag that they don't want something. But have you asked them the question? Just always asking the question. It's always asking the question based on your old, your old conditions and your new standard. Because a lot of times we like to stay in our old. I a lot of times, from even for myself, I stayed in the old conditions of what I wanted. I was so used to. I came from an environment, and I've told the story about my environments. I came from an environment of a two-parent household, but then when I met my father. It was an entirely different environment. It was the underworld environment. It was the street environment. But I learned more in that environment based on authenticity than I learned in this other environment that was based on trauma bonds. Not saying that in my father's environment there was not trauma bonds, but there was a level of ownership to these flags that would be seen as a red flag. There was a level of standard that was created inside of this space. There was a level of order that was inside of this space of the chaos, as opposed to me being in a space where the chaos was the chaos or the emotional presence wasn't there. 
And when it was there, it was based on relevance. So a lot of times when we think about emotional relevance, you think about being passive aggressive, you'll call somebody a narcissist, but all of us have narcissistic traits. The first thing a narcissist does is what? They reflect what they see in the other person. So they reflect or they refine or project what they see in the other person. So how many times in your relationships have you, how many times in your relationships have you reflected what you saw inside of that space just to fit within the space? How many conversations have you had in the opening of a relationship and you found yourself infatuated? And we talked about this infatuation before, but how many times have you found yourself in a state of infatuation? Do you know the difference between infatuation and allure? See, allure is the inspiration to change, the inspiration to assess your standard, the inspiration of emotional presence. See, infatuation, that's where a lot of y'all ignore that infatuation. That's where a lot of us ignore red flags or we start putting up these red flags where we're We'll say it's a red flag, but in reality, we're not, we're we're afraid to surrender. You'll call something a red flag because you're afraid to surrender. In that state of infatuation, old buddy holds himself to the old buddy holds himself to a certain key. He talks a certain way. His conversation is different. He's very intellectual. He's always using these words that leave you gravitated towards him. Like you never heard that type of stuff before. So you get stuck in that infatuation. But meanwhile, the norm, the flags that you're trying to ignore about yourself, that's what you hide behind the infatuation. See, I've talked about this before when it comes to that, you say about six months. Usually most people relationships about six months. First six months of any relationship is infatuation. You can go look that up anyway. Research it, please. The first six months of any relationship is infatuation. First six months. So now add that into there and then add your traumatic experience that you haven't dealt with, your lack of emotional intelligence that you have not had, you have not acquired yet. Therefore, you're looking at your conditions. So basically, you're inside of your space through this trauma loop. Let's talk about the trauma loop. Let's say you 25. Let's say you 25 years old. It don't matter if you're 25, 35. I've talked about this before. It don't matter if you're 25, 35, 34, 40, 46, 60, 50. The, if you look at your circle and you're saying all of y'all around the same age range or you have some older friends or you have some younger friends or whatever, you have this melting pot of all these ages. The reason all y'all connect is because all y'all act like eight-year-olds. Because remember, where the traumatic experience happened, where the emotional stunting happened, that's where you're stuck at in your age. And until you deal with that aspect, it doesn't matter what age you become, all your red flags come from, all the red flags that you see are from the development space of an eight-year-old. You're seeing what an eight-year-old sees as a red flag. You're seeing what, think about, think about what an eight-year-old sees. Think about what a five-year-old sees based on their emotional development. Think about what a two-year-old sees whenever they think, 
basically think about it like this if you two years old something happened to you when you were two years old and you didn't like broccoli you didn't like vegetables so now anybody that comes into your space and you don't understand what the broccoli act the broccoli represented as or whatever the vegetable rep represented it represented nourishing and growth so anything that come into your space that challenges your conditions and forces you to assess your standards, that can be a fucking red flag. Ugh. He was stuck on himself. She was stuck on herself. She was trying to get me to go work out. Well, did you think about the conversation that you had? You told her you were tired a lot. You told her, you told, you told her you were tired. You told him that you said you gained some weight. So were they really stuck on themselves? Or was it that you weren't ready to sit with that judgment I'm always talking about? You weren't ready to sit with the judgment that you were giving yourself. You weren't ready to sit in the the you weren't ready to sit in that perception to understand those emotional aspects of yourself. Tell you this when we start talking about these red flags. Because all a red flag is, literally, I'll say it again, it is a point that of our darkness, of our shadow, that we have not yet dealt with. And that is the variation inside of our space. Remember, from the dark is the absolute. So that is the result of what we have not dealt with inside of our own shadow. So you mad because, oh, you mad because you... And old buddy ain't going on trips like your last boyfriend. Uh, Y'all ain't going on these trips like you did last year. But when he says, hey, I want to go out of the country. That means you, do you have a passport? And then you start thinking about getting a passport. But then you're thinking about, oh, shit, I got child support. I got... I, I got some bills. I got some stuff I got to pay before I get my passport. So now you go back into the space. Why can't we just go to Miami? Miami's not, I mean, we can go to Miami, but I still need you to go get that passport. See this state of that passport, it represents dealing with that shadow. This is the representative of the shadow. That passport, think about what a passport is. It allows you to travel abroad. So if I haven't dealt with my shadow in this aspect of travel with money, this, emotion, this emotional aspect, I can't travel abroad. I only can travel inside of my comfort zone. And then think about what you built around that comfort zone. Think of, I want you to think about what you built, how you build and create your space. Because now since you're talking about, now since you're trying to talk yourself out of that doubt, now you watch the news, you just saw an airplane then got stopped and crashed coming back from Tokyo. See, that's why I don't need no passport. See how you cut yourself down? You created that spectrum. That was there to show you something about yourself. That doubt, that insecure, that doubt that's already present, the frustration that's already present, the sorrow that's already present, you just keep buying into it with yourself because you keep ignoring your own red flags. You don't want to surrender to face the conflict. But I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to ask you a question. If you look at your space right now, your environment, your friends, I always get this to my clients. You look at your contact list right now. 
when you look at your contact list, how many people in your contact list are smarter than you or have more intellectual standings than you in different areas of development? How many people in your contact list have different levels of development? That means when you go down your contact list, the first three people on your contact list, what do they represent? See, if everybody inside of my contact list represented the Bitter Nigga Club or the Bitter Bitch Club, then what do you think I'm digesting every single day to stay relevant inside of that space? That means every relationship, every friendship, every job application, that's all I have to pick from inside of my contact list. Remember, there's a difference between being a leader because a lot of us, you're afraid to, you're, you're thinking about being a leader and being a boss, but your aptitude of being a boss is you sitting there saying your whole team eat off of you but that came from a traumatic experience. That's a big red flag when it comes into you really doing business. That's a big red flag when it comes into you expanding yourself because the truest aptitude of you even, the truest aptitude of me being <clears throat> the authority in my life path, in my path, everything that I do and everything that I reflect is that I understand the necessity and what's necessary for everybody around me is a master in their lane because I reflect as a master in my lane. And that's in the aspects of humility. I've, sur I've surrendered to all my own red flags, all these things I would tell myself in order for me to stay, to stay relevant with people, feeding my guilt, man, I gotta help everybody out. Over, over, overcompensating by taking on other people's responsibilities and not looking at it from the angle of myself, but looking at it from the angle of them, what best serve them. These are traumatic responses. Trying to make everybody else happy, traumatic responses. Because you, until I realized that, I was like, yo, I'm trying to make everybody happy. But then you have to realize that you can't make anybody happy. You can't bring nobody. You can't make no, you cannot bring anyone peace. You cannot make anybody happy. Especially if you have internal conflict. The only thing you do inside of the space is magnify what's already present. So now when you go into a space, you're saying that you're at peace. And I've talked about this before. Some of the times when you go into spaces based on peace, based on avoiding conflict and compartmentalizing your life, you're in a state of the no zone. You're in that no self. Or you're in that you're in that land of uh Narnia, so to speak. I can't think of the N-word I've used. Yeah, you stuck in this little space with yourself. So of course you can avoid conflict in that space. Because <clears throat> conflict begets growth. So if I go into a space and simply able to react in the same emotional standard, then I'm just comfortable. 
I can say back and forth to myself, I'm not comfortable. I'm not where I want to be at. I'm tired all the time. I can say that all the time. I can yell at all these red flags of the reasons. I can put up all these red flags of why I'm not where I want to be at all the time. But until I sit down and ask myself the honest questions, <clears throat> my why do I believe that? And really start looking at myself. I'm only going to keep doing the same shit. My emotional budget. Remember, I told you about your emotional budget before. I've asked you before, like, do you know what your emotional credit score is? Do you know what an emo do you know what's on your emotional credit report? <clears throat> do you know the loans that you've taken out over the years? The cosigns to your the cosigns to your validations. Those are your those would be the equivalent to the loans that you've taken out. The relationships that you've gotten in, the trauma bonds that you got in. <clears throat> those represent loans. The shadow work that you're not doing, that represents collections. All of these aspects are synonymous with your shadow work. That's why now when I sit inside of my space and I was telling you earlier, everybody in my space that has a representation, like I got somebody that understands numbers and ethogenics, psychedelics, uh, and natural holistic medicine. From their aspect and their conversation about that, I can take my information and we can talk back and forth. I don't have to know what they know. They don't have to know what I know, but we can, trans we can transmute this back and forth and I can simplify and understand that based on what I know about myself. <clears throat> I can take it in and apply it. Similar to the person over here that works with music or the other person that understands real estate. Everybody around me has their own play. See, that's the, that's the aspect of you of really assessing them red flags. Everybody around me, we all have the same standard. See, before that, with the traumatic experiences, Everybody around me was stuck in the same conditions. And inside of those conditions, I remember being younger and being inside those conditions, it was the standards that outshined the conditions. Like I remember like being in some of the situations with certain people and the people that would get out and I noticed this was the ones that had a higher standard to themselves. It wasn't based on conditions. They weren't setting their intentions in their conditions. They were setting their condition. They were setting their intentions in their standards. So the role that they needed to play for their goals, that's what they would become. But when you're looking from the outside in, a lot of times you're looking at somebody, you can look, I'll use an example. You'll look at one of my videos. You'll look at one of my lives that are on my Facebook or on my YouTube channel right now. And you'll hear what I'm saying. And if you're not ready to be emotionally present, you will be triggered. Because it's an allure. I don't speak from infatuation. I don't speak from an infatuation point. So anybody that's used to being infatuated versus that allure, we're gonna get into that in the next segment. Anyone that's used to the infatuation, the wow, the ooh, the awe, Ooh, he said that and things of that nature. That's what you're going to try to connect to. So automatically you start assessing the space. You start assessing the conditions of the space. You start looking at things that reflect into that. You start looking at the, 
points that you can react to. You start looking at things that you can pick apart. As opposed to the, the lure, that forces you to sit down with yourself. See, I speak through a lure. See, me being a, me being a shadow worker, me working in the shadows, I set the tone based on a lure. Me being a shadow worker, me being that shadow worker, that design of that my design type, I show you your conflict. I put your conflict right there in your face, simplified. I don't want to give you, I'm not going to give you a, I can use the big words and all that good stuff. Sometimes I do when I sometimes I break them, but I always break them down. But my purpose is to show you and normalize your conflict. It's to force you to see your conflicts as abnormal. Your reactions is abnormal. Your thoughts that you had before a point to be abnormal. That's if you are, if you have not done, you're not doing this internal work. Especially when a lot of times you come into this space with yourself and you're still looking at the conditions. It's like, I've used this example before. It does you no good to make a million dollars. If you do not have a budget or understand your budget or your emotional intelligence, because your emotional intelligence is your financial literacy. Because if I have a low emotional intelligence, that means I'm based in fear, doubt, insecurity, jealousy, uh, any of these lower perceptions of myself, then when I get that million dollars, what do you think I'm gonna do? I'm going to magnify my insecurity. I'm going to magnify my doubt. I'm going to magnify my guilt. That means I'm going to spend a million dollars. That means I'll spend $550,000 on a car and then it'll get in a wreck. And then I'll be like, oh my God, I should have got the insurance. Just so I can live inside the guilt. See how you create your space? Just so you can live inside the guilt. You'll do that. As opposed to somebody that has emotional intelligence and understands that I'm in a state of attraction They'll go get the 2000 and get a 2014 Chevy Malibu, uh, Chevy Impala LTZ. It's paid off. They got insurance on it. They didn't put it under their business name. So now they can write off all the depreciated value. But you sitting there with that Bentley truck. You ain't got no insurance. You ain't got no license. Basically, you ain't done the work. You ain't done the work. All them red flags that came up. You knew you needed your license. That was a red flag. But you ignored the red flags because you thought you had the money or the currency. See, this is the state when we're doing things based on the want. I always get what I want. And I'll do anything to get what I want. But you got to realize that a lot of times getting what you want, it compromises your standards. It forces you to ignore the awakening of your design. I'm going to turn this tape over real quick. So you had to flip that tape over real quick. But yeah, one thing that you have to understand in your internal work, doing this work, doing what you need to do. Conflict shapes the design of your path. Avoidance reflects the obstacles 
in the same space that awareness shows opportunities. This is your awakening by your design. You see those red flags that keep popping up in your life. All these relationship do's and don'ts and relationship do's and don'ts. You have to really assess and go past the point of like, is this based on my wants or is it based on my needs? Remember your needs, when you're going through this transition period, are your lessons. You needed the lesson, therefore it was presented. When you stop looking at things from an angle of, that's gonna make me happy. This is gonna make me at peace. This is gonna bring me love. When you keep looking outside of yourself for these things, remember how we opened up, stability is not comfort. Stability is assessing my standard. So if I'm going into my spaces and I realize that the conflict designs my path, conflict helps me etch out my the way I want to move in my path. Therefore, now I got to look at it like, you know what? I no longer want to be in a position of weakness. I no longer want to be in a position where I'm always frustrated. I don't want to always be in this position when I'm always angry. But the first thing I got to assess is not what I use or what I'm, the resources of why I use those resources or why I did what I did because this builds regret or why I made this decision and now I regret the decision. I'm going to give you that key. Karma is activated by regret. That's why you'll see somebody that has no regrets and you'll see their example in the extreme. You'll see somebody be one of the, you'll look at somebody that has no regrets out here doing some, something that you'll call evil. Like we'll use Bill Gates. You'll sit here, call Bill Gates evil and all these things. He ain't got no regrets. You know why? Cause you still buy the iPhone. he has no regrets you'll look at the government and you'll say oh the government's evil but the government gave you a stimulus check the government gave you a ppp loan the government gave you the opportunity to go to school the government gave you so now when you start looking at your reflections these conflicts that you stuck in based on that old moral compass you realize that you only use that compass when it serves you a purpose see you only use that compass whenever you have an obstacle but in order for me to understand that obstacle is an opportunity, I got to check the moral compass because that moral compass is only based on aspects of your human nature. There's things that are based on your integrity. Your integrity challenges your human compass. Your humility challenges your compass. Your, the worst aspects that happen into your life when you were hungry challenges your moral compass. So what is it for real? That's a red flag in itself. See, true red flags, as we get deeper into this, is a red flag for me now is someone that does not have the ability to when they are become emotionally present. They're not, it's not even about the awareness. It's about the fact that if they're willing to learn 
that space with themselves of emotional presence, emotional intelligence, emotional maturity. Because that sets the tone because I can't, I can't say I cannot be around somebody who doesn't cry because somebody can cry all the time and they learn how to use that to get attention. It does you no good. Like that's like somebody I've met people that have, I remember my first, I remember when I first cried thinking my cry, crying was a weakness, but then I saw people crying all the time. And when I saw them crying, since I thought it was a weakness, naturally inside of my space the people that cried they played it as using it to make other people weak they used it as a manipulation tool and then that's when you get that saying like no tears no tears for the weary or no tears from a king and all of these type of narratives that you heard or no tear no tears from a king a man can't cry a lot of these narratives that were put on, a lot of these narratives were built off of the reflection of the environment. Those are obstacles in the environment. Those keep me from sustaining the identity. Those keep me from sustaining these points where I don't want to surrender. It keeps me going strong. But the less you see it inside of yourself, the more you want to see it in other people. One of the realest things that I had to understand when it was going through natural, going through the natural selection process and embracing my transition. The reason that I stayed around certain people is because they were overly emotional and they brought balance to my lack of therefore my emotions. But in the reality of it, Neither one of us had emotional intelligence. Yeah. Neither one of us had an attitude or the aptitude to understanding emotional intelligence. So the conflicts were always based in avoidance. So some give you an example. You sitting at your house right now. You knew the first of every month your rent's due. You know the first of the month, your rent due. No matter how much it is, you know your rent's due. First of every month. You wait until the 15th of the month to start saving up for your rent. Now, Remember, conflict shapes the design of your path. So now, you did this a few times. And in every month, you got that rent. You might have got it by the fifth, but by damn it, you got the rent. Now, since you were stuck in that space, I'm going to show you how you attract things in your space. Now, you've been doing this for a while. And every year, now this year, you want to go on vacation that month. So now you figure in that month, I'm going to, I know about the 15th, I'm going to have the money for the rent. So everything before that's for the trip. 
But you want that trip more than you want to pay that rent. So you save, but you're spending the same amount of money. I want you to think about this. You keep sp you're spending the same amount of money that you were spending before you started planning for this trip. In the hopes that usually the last week of the month, whether you're a server or you work a job where you can go get some overtime or whatever it may be, hustle, whatever your hustle is. So now you're dependent that last week of the month when you get back from that vacation. Whose fault is it if your job say, who's, whose fault is it if there's no overtime? Whose fault is it if everybody literally at the same time decided to save for their own vacation? Now you sitting in the space mad because everybody that usually buys something from you, they're not buying. You mad because your job, the hours got cut. You mad because your job ain't giving out overtime. But you knew since the first of that month, that your rent was due. You knew since the first of the month, the rent was due. You knew since the first of last month that the rent was due. See, awareness, that honesty, it forces you into the position of becoming aware of the entire spectrum. See, avoidance to have you living in the bias. See, avoidance to have you mad at, have you mad at your spouse, avoidance to have you mad at your kids, avoidance to have you mad at your, uh, somebody to ask you to borrow some money, avoidance to have you mad at them. See, that awareness to have you looking at yourself. Now I'm gonna give you the key with this awareness. Avoidance will also, ha also have you mad at yourself. But the way that you're mad at yourself is based on the relevance of your emotion. So you're mad at them and you're mad at yourself for giving to them. But why were you, why did you give it to them in the first place? See, that's what awareness unlocks. That awareness gives you the opportunity to assess like, could they gave me the same sad, they gave me the same story, sad story they gave me last month. That's why I did it. And then this person gave me a sob story. Then this person gave me a sad story. And they all told me the same thing. They gonna give it back to me when they get it. But now I'm sitting here without anything. And now I'm trying to use the same guilt that created the space. See, awareness forces you to face and take that real space of accountability. It forces you to take the. It forces you to take front and center to these aspects of accountability and responsibility for your life. Your why's. Why do you have that belief? This, when it comes to the aspects, you saying that you have a good heart and you're a good person, and you don't want to see nobody struggle. One thing that I learned really, really quick in my sh in doing my internal work was 
everybody got a lesson and everybody got a plan and everybody got a lesson and everybody got a contract. The key to me being in the space that I'm in now to be able to give you this answer, give you, give you this disheartening thought process is I had to understand that just in understanding that I had to sit with those emotions where I tried to hold other people accountable for me. See, when you're thinking about traumatic experiences, especially when we talk about the maternal wounds, the fraternal wounds, or the lack thereof of a father figure, the lack thereof a mother figure, or things of that narrative in these traumatic responses, you're still holding somebody to the accountability to provide the nurturing and guidance that you never received. That festered and became that guilt wound. That festered and became that abandonment wound. That festered and became that neglect wound. That festered and became that wound that you now operate through. So now you're upset when people lay inside of these wounds that you displayed. Your cleanness, your, uh, I want to be in your skin. And uh, I need a woman that does cooks and cleans and does all of these things for me. And I expect my expectations based on attachment. Those are the things that keep getting you stuck in the comp. Those are the things that keep getting you stuck. Those are the things that keep getting you. Those are your red flags. Those are the things that keep getting you stuck and not assessing the opportunities in order to grow. Those are the things that got your ancestors testing your gangster. Those are the things that got your ancestors testing you. Your spirit's testing your ass. And when it's really time for the test, they send someone like me along to trigger you past the state of where you can't go back. So we all have purposes. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a plan. Everybody has a contract. If you're not assessing your original contract, then you just keep creating them 360 deals I've talked about before. You keep creating these 360 deals to stay relevant. You created a 360 guilt deal with all of your relationships. Whether it be the friendship, love, interest, you created a 360 deal of guilt. So now at the end of every, now how you started the relationship was based on guilt, so the relationship ends on guilt. But there's a way to transmute it. There's a way to transmute it. The same way you started the relationship, the same way the relationship go in. So if you came into the relationship on a bias based on your wants, but you have not assessed your standards, then guess what's going to end the relationship? Your standards. Guess what's going to end your the friendship? Standards. The conditions can start the relationship, but it's always the standards that end the relationship. It's always the standards that hinder growth. It's always the standard that hinders evolution. It's always the standard that's stall, that stalls out things because that's when you have to face those shadows. That's when you got to accept that conflict. I remember so many times I was in so many spaces and because of my pattern of being disassociated, 
being emotionally numb and heavy quotes. Not understanding the true basis of, not understanding the differences between exposure and vulnerability. And I've talked about the difference between exposure and vulnerability. The simplest way I can explain exposure versus vulnerability is exposure is telling somebody your favorite color. It's telling somebody your favorite food. It's telling somebody your favorite, uh, your favorite spot. Vulnerability is being able to express how that favorite color became to be. Vulnerability is my ability to, if I take somebody to my sitting spot, telling stories that led me up to finding this sitting spot. See that vulnerability, it forces me to take accountability for my story, taking ownership in my story, becoming alluring and not stuck in infatuation. See, when we get stuck in this exposure complex, thinking that that's vulnerability, you stuck in an infatuation. So you're gonna tell stories about yourself from the middle point, nine times out of 10. So you'll tell them the story of your mother, what your mother did to you, what your father did to you, what somebody did to you. And you'll tell it from the middle. But see, because from the beginning, you got to lead up to that. See, the beginning is lost because it's behind the repressed. The only thing that you keep playing out in your shadow is this happened to me when I was five. This happened to me when I was 12. This is why, this is the reason I am the way that I am. See, that's exposure. Vulnerability forces me to take accountability for where I am, where I am and go through the apology, go through the forgiveness process. I've talked about this before. I went to, I remember the first time I had the conversation with my mother and I truly forgave her after asking her a reason for, so mom, why did you do this? Why did you lie about this? Why did you keep this from me? Why did you say this? Why did you do this? And the point of I needed to accept what she said because the emotion that came up, whether they were using it, whether you're using it in a conscious sense, because a lot of the stories from my mother, she tried to use the guilt, the guilt. She activated my guilt wound and my neglect wounds. I had to accept that. And I forgave her for that. I forgave my mother because that opened up the acceptance. Because now I can go back and thank my mother for what she had did because to the best of her ability of what she understood at the point in time that helped me embrace the transition you feel me that helped me awaken by that embrace how i was awakened by that design now i can see different opportunities so now when i'm getting in now this is earlier on in relationships I remember every time I get in a relationship after I did that, I remember the first time I, cause I had to apologize to my mother a couple times. Remember, it's not just one apology and it's just said over and done with. There's a lot of things. You may have 50 million things on the table that are all in different. You may have 50 million things that are in four categories of correspondence that you can get an apology for, but you won't know when it's till you start the apology, till you start the forgiveness process. 
So I remember forgiving my mother for certain things. And then later on down the line in correspondence, I'll be in a relationship and I meet somebody that would have those same issues with their mother in that aspect, friendship or whatever. And then they would have that same issue with their uh, mother. And I remember I would say something about it to them or it would trigger me to go have a conversation with my mother. And I noticed that when I started fixing that aspect with my mother, that relationship started to distort. Conflict came up in a relationship. See, I was so used to conflict coming up by my pattern. I wasn't used to conflict coming up by design. Because now if I had the conversation with my mother and I saw my mother a different way, now when I go into a space, the authentic authority, I have to speak that inside of that space. I have to set my, that was my boundary. So I have a conversation. Hey, maybe you start to your mom about this, da 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 go down the line. And then after a while, the standard was challenged because now I wasn't living by the same conditions. My standard was assessed. So naturally what would happen inside the space relationship would end. No matter how it ended, it didn't really matter. But I can go back to even those relationships and be like, I can thank them for what they taught me. I forgive them the same way I forgave my mother. Because until then, basically, in every relationship, I was looking for my mother. The lack thereof, what I had. Nurturing, guidance. Nurturing, guidance. My definition of nurturing and guidance. My definitions that I created I embrace transitioning through these emotional points that I created so I cleared out that part of the contract so now I kept seeing more opportunities and then we come to that was 19 that was 2000 2005 2010 now we're sticking to 2021. And I told y'all that if you did first time tuning into the podcast, I told y'all August 16th, 2020 is the day that I was like, you know what? I'm done courting or healing the masculine aspect of myself and the feminine aspect of myself. It's time to bring them together and make this shit official. So now when I go into spaces, Embracing that level of transition, I see even more opportunities. I see the opportunities to learn as well as the opportunities to teach. I see the opportunities to sharpen my perspective and I see the opportunities to maximize my potential. I see the lessons. I can see the lessons. I can observe more. What we talked about Friday in the lecture, I am now in an infamous position as the anti-hero. I don't choose a side. I understand that both sides are of the same coin. These are the certain things when you start using, you should really start applying it and start instead of just saying it. Two sides of the same coin. Life is about polarity. There's positive and negative. There's the masculine and feminine principle. There's the divine masculine and divine feminine. I'm a God. You stop saying certain things based on regurgitation and actually start doing that work. Because you understand that that work 
creates the new standard and that's your stability. So now that you tapped into that standard, you've now created the efficiency and the disciplines. Now you have the stability, the emotional stability, the emotional maturity. Now you can become the role of a lot of your goals. See, a lot of your goals, they lay stagnant because you have not become that role. You have not become what is needed to achieve that goal. Now you can say, well, I've, I got this, this, and this, but I'm gonna give you some real shit. I actually talked about it in the lecture. A lot of you are still doing what your parents did to have you. One of the biggest generational curses, one of the biggest generational traumas and curses is if you go back to your great-great-grandfather's days, your great-great-grandmother's days, the bodies, more bodies, the more crops, the more money. That means the more profit. Your mother was raised in that aspect. And then the regrets of losing people and all of these natures. That was simplified and condensed in her DNA. And then it became in your mother. So then your mother used the same theory in her own experience. Didn't get what she wanted. So now she raised you bitter in the bitter sense. And then you had your child and did the same thing. So everything that you got based up to this point of the conflict that shaped your design of your path was based on the pattern of getting what you wanted. But the same lesson that your mother missed in your father is the same lesson that you missed in your child's father. So then that gave you regrets. The same regret we talked about when we talked about in generational curses. The same regret from back then is the same regret now. The same guilt is the same guilt from back then. Until you assess that space, everything in your space is going to bring up that red flag. And as long as you ignore those red flags or you use them red flags to keep you in a state of avoidance and seeing obstacles to get what you want, you're going to keep doing the same thing. And I'm going to tell you now, the way this energy is working now, the density of these shadows, yeah, ain't going to work out too good for you. And Lucy's only going to tell you what you need to hear. I can't give you, I can give you what you want, but are you ready to, are you ready to lose what you need? I can give you what you want based on the image of peace or I can give you the key that you, I can give you the tools and to assess and raise your level of standard to achieve peace. Big difference. Hey. But one of the biggest things that we fear is that there are casualties in your exalting. See, one of the biggest things that I was scared of, one of the biggest fears a lot of us are scared of is 
losing the existence to truly start living. And after this break, we don't get into that. Stay with choosing the God Hour. Hey, hey. And as always, gotta keep you plugged in. Whether it's for readings, which are the mini consults, all the way up to the consultation, that shadow work consultation, to see if you need that shadow work therapy, guided meditations, ritual work, whatever it is. Hit me up in the inbox, Don Samdi Ra on Facebook. You can hit me at Papa underscore Lucy 666 on Instagram. You can hit the email Papa Lucy L U C I triple six three sixes at gmail.com. If you have a product, you have a service, you want to do a build on the podcast. Whether you want to get plugged into the plug top for free. Or you want to get sponsored, monthly sponsorship, and get in on those ad rolls. Hit me up at the email address. Or you can hit the number 910-249-3999. There's no one stopping you but you. I just want you to be the fucking best. Speaking of becoming the best, Friday Night Lectures, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Gotta call Alchemist the YouTube channel. Last week, we got into that automatic thought process, breaking down the automatic thought process. We just heard the aspects of the efficient interference. So y'all stay tuned throughout the week to see what we're going to get into this Friday. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe, share, hit that bell. We got more coming. Appreciate the support. Y'all stay tuned for the closeout. As we begin another level of honesty. Peace. And we back, we back, we back. That can be you in that ad roll right there. Stay tuned to the plug talking information, how to get plugged in for monthly sponsorship. You got a plan, you got a service, or you want to do a build on the podcast. As we get into this last segment, I want you to understand something. Everybody can't go. Everybody can't go. Everybody can't go where you're going because it's not on the emotional aspect. So that's when you got to let go of the regret. Sometimes I remember for a lot of points in my time, some of the decisions that I made that were based in regret, I had to realize that if I make a decision under the emotional distress of regret, doubt, guilt, then forever manifested we talked about those codependent manifestations last week the codependent manifestation that means if i create something out of guilt regret doubt uh 
the wanting based on the emotional void, then I'm always going to use that as my basis. So, and I'm going to give you something even deeper. It's similar to you get into a relationship with somebody and based on the infatuation, you create the scenario in your mind or what it should be or what they, what they could be based on what they said, but you ignore key parts to the conversation. What's your thing about it? you ignore key parts to the conversation. No matter what happened that led up to the point from a point of the traumatic response that state of forgiveness happens. So you may forgive them. They may apologize. But remember the apology being changed behavior in order to change your behavior or invest in the change in your behavior. You got to let go of regret. See, that's the main key when it comes to an apology. When an apology in investing in the changing of your behavior, that means assessing your assessing the behavior, assessing your patterns, assessing your habits. You have to relinquish and assess the feeling of regret. See, I told you that casualty, there's, you have to understand that there's always going to be casualties in you exalting into becoming the higher, the highest, most authentic version of yourself. The realest lesson is not in avoiding what we regret. It is understanding what we regret defines where we fear accountability in the lessons of true responsibility. Remember how I, I, we I said, nothing can make you happy. It only reflects your happy. It reflects where you are, where you are, are not happy. Nothing can bring you peace. It only can trigger you where you have not found peace within, you have not brought yourself to a level of peace. Nothing can make you angry, insecure, jealousy, or doubt anything. It only can magnify with inside of self where you fear to take the accountability to assess that lesson. That's like when you inside of your space and you, you mad because you're saying, they took all of my worth from me. I remember I've said it, I've said it before. Oh my God, I did all of these things for this. I did all these things for you and and this is how you repay me. I've talked, I've said that, but I've said this also before. The moment that you put a value on what you do for others, you devoid the value of what it is that you do. I know that's going to trigger a lot of you because now you're thinking right now about all those conversations, all those dinners that your mom cooked or all those sacrifices that your dad said he made or all the sacrifices that your father figure said they made. And now you're looking like, oh, see, I'm not here to give you the light version. I'm here to give you the, in, the introspectives inside of your shadow. How a shadow was created. How a shadow was formed. How a shadow was maintained. 
I can care less about how you feel good. You coming to me to get better. You got to check your own bullshit at the door. A part of spiritual warfare is one of the biggest keys of spiritual warfare is checking your own bullshit. Checking where you're lazy at. Checking where you're not taking accountability. Checking your standards. Checking your why that you did it in the first place. That's the biggest part of spiritual warfare. Remember, everything outside of you is a reflection of you. So if you cannot govern yourself, then of course you see something sinister happen outside of you when it comes to the government. You see conflict because you live in conflict. And if for some of you, like when you get forced into a space of, I, you said something and now you got put in a space to where you would have to go. I remember this when I had to go. I remember all the times going back to my, I remember all the times when things would happen and I ended up having to go back to my parents' house. And since I wasn't taking accountability for myself, it showed inside of the space. I remember the first time I ever went back to my mom's house, this was like, maybe I was 23, 24. No matter what the age is, because I was still stuck in that 11-year-old mindset. So, like, I still had expectancies of my parents. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize, because I dealt with it. I didn't realize how much I didn't deal with it. Or I got the lesson when, like, I had a conversation with one of my friends. And they were like, I'm at my, I'm back at my parents' house. But my brother's there. And it was my one of my white, it was my white homegirl. She was like, my brother's there. And he always getting an argument with my parents. But then my homegirls is like telling me, like, yo, da-da-da. But like, they don't understand that even though I'm there, I don't say that I'm grown. I abide by the rules of the house. So if they need something, then I give it to them. Like they need something like. If I go to the store, I'm gonna ask my mother, does she need anything from the store? If I need, my pops need gas for the lawnmower and I'm going to the gas station, I'm actually gonna need gas for the gas for the lawnmower. This goes into the aspects of you're exalting yourself. You're exalting yourself of the casualties of the conflicts. It's not about you regretting your decisions, it's about you owning your decisions. The decisions that you made and why you made that decision. Going past the point of the bias and really looking, because until you do this a lot of times with ourselves, until I, I realized until I did this, some of the decisions that I made in an emotional distress situation, the things that I'll say I could not go back from, I didn't understand that there was an underlining emotional algorithm to it. So I did it based on guilt to fit within the space. So now that just magnified my regret. So the moment that something didn't happen, now I'll say, this is when you hear motherfuckers in arguments be like, 
I regretted ever meeting you and I regret ever talking to you and I regret all this. <clears throat> I'm gonna give you some real shit. They don't regret anything about you. It's something that they haven't dealt with yet. Real shit. Remember, the key to this is not taking it personal. Even though your journey's, you're on your own personal journey, they're on their own interpersonal, they're on their own personal journey. When you come together with somebody, you are now inter, your journeys are now interpersonally locked based on the experiences. Based on the premise of everything is a reflection of you based on the experience or the observation. So this will make you look at every nigga that you ever got with, sis, was lazy. Or the way they're reflecting your laziness. Because I want you to think about this. When y'all had an argument, what was the first thing that you wished for? That you wouldn't say outside of the argument. You told your truth inside of that argument. I wish I could just sit down and do nothing and all this stuff. I wish I could relax. I'm doing all this work so you can relax. Because in that same sentence, that same sentence at a point in time, sis, remember you being real with yourself, in that same argument, you said you hold your man down. So now you got to think about the conversation you had in the beginning saying you hold your man down. I need you. You said you were independent. You said you didn't need enough. You said you didn't need or want nothing from a man. And you said you'll hold your man down. You got to think about the emotional energy that was connected to that. That was based on your insecurity and fear of rejection. So you got to think about what corresponds with that. The brother that you, the brothers that you keep meeting, they all have that story about their mother. They have the story about their coming up. So you kept bonding based on those stories. Let's talk about you too, bro. Brother, let's talk about you too. Based on what you saw from your mother. Or how you were raised, because some of y'all raised in single mother homes. Some of y'all raised in single father homes. Either or. The way that you saw that aspect, you got in that relationship based on the things that you went through. And you made those your nodes in order to avoid that internal regret, that conflict, the regret you were dealing with. So now you met whole girl and y'all started off great. But the moment that the emotion, the infatuation wore off, and now you're in the state of allure or the state of responsibility, you looking at her like, and usually it always happens when it always happens in your physical world, like money issues and and they going out all the time or the way they dress. I'm giving y'all the under I'm giving you the emotional underlines of why y'all these reactions. She dressed a certain way. But she dressed that way when she met you. But you thought that she dressed that way or you thought that was normalized because let's go back to your experiences when you were little. 
This is what we do inside of uh, treat and therapy. Let's go into the conversations of when you were little. You saw your mom with multiple boyfriends and she always had the freaking dress on. So that's the way you, you that's the way you identified because you you still trying to save your mother. Let's get real with it. You still trying to save your mother. I can't, I, I can't wait till next season when we start going live because y'all can't see my faces, the faces that I make at the microphone. You still trying to save your mother. Or you, yeah, you still trying to save your mother from the life that she was in. You still trying to save your mother from the life that she, uh, from the life she ultimately chose to take care of you. So now in all of your relationships, you're trying to do the same thing. Let's go further out, sis. You're afraid of growth and change. You got your regrets and your guilt. And remaining in your end of cycle of independence to get what you want. You got homegirls. Hell, you got family members out here getting done dirty as hell. And all you see inside of them, their mates, is your dad, your stepfather, the the, 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 the quote-unquote nigga that was in the house. Whether you want to say they raised you or not, they were in the house. Therefore, they were the only influence, the only male influence you had in your life. Whether that male influence was positive or negative. If it was a positive male influence, even to the positive male influence, that means they gave you everything you wanted can be seen as detrimental because they gave you everything you wanted, but you forgot about the part of the story of every time that you expressed emotion, they bought you something for it. Just like in that same instance, every time you showed emotion, you had a negative, that, that negative the response to it or the reaction to it, whether it was you getting something or getting guilted, they fed from the same space. So that's the way that you learn how to define your space and your environment. So now you're looking at all your homegirls and they men's and you holding them, you're exalt, you're holding your, your friends to the highest caliber of your emotional regrets and guilt. And then you putting all the negative on them. They're a good person. They just been through some things. You're talking about yourself. And until you realize this, and I've told this story before about my sister. And my sister, I am the, I am, I am the brother that you do not call unless you ready for some things to move. That's my role. I knew that was my role based on my aggression issues and all of these aspects, things I didn't deal with. I remember the first two times I did it, I took people with me in order to fill the, to transmute the rage through. I remember the last time I went by myself, Cause the first time I didn't see it when she went back. Second time I didn't see it when she went back, 
But the third time I saw it, and it took me by surprise. I was like, oh. I'm outside by myself, telling her to come into the car. We get in the car. We on the way to my house. My nieces and nephews in the backseat sleep. We're at my house for a couple of days. But then I noticed something. All these other times I was trying to blame the guy. But the way that I was blaming this dude was based on my regrets. My guilt. For I still had a regret in myself for leaving at an early age and leaving them to deal with my leaving them in the house. I still had those regrets. I was still living in that womb. So the way that I saw my sister, my sister's like six years younger than me. So I was 11. So in my mind, I'm still the 11 year old, the 12 year old, the 13 year old me. And to me, they're still my five and six. They're like still five and six. Until I was able to sit in that space and deal with that emotion, I could not see them for where they were at. And the way that I saw them for where they were at was through my nieces and my nephews. I saw how my nephew was acting. I saw how my niece was acting. I saw their, because they were in the space open wide. They're emotionally present. I'm seeing how they act inside of the space. And that made me apologize. Because during this time, I remember what I, instead of, instead of telling my sister something to make her feel good, I said something that made her work, feel worse. I said something that made her feel worse. And I'm not even going to say it wasn't intentional. It was very, it was very, it wasn't, it was intentional. The last thing I said to my sister was, until you deal with whatever internal emotions you got going on, you're going to go back down. And she said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. A week later, I went to work that morning. Left my sister a copy of the key to the house. I remember coming home. On my kitchen table was a letter. And it was a bittersweet moment because of what my sister wrote in the letter was. I got to find this out myself. Thank you. Shortest letter to the point. And I'm sitting there like, damn. See, you can't keep wishing that something's going to happen. Because if you're not ready with yourself, you can't take in what happens. See, I was ready for what was about to happen. Regardless of whatever it was, I had to remove myself from the regret. That means I couldn't keep sitting there regretting my sister keep doing what she's doing 
And I couldn't keep seeing it through the regret or my guilt for me leaving. I had to accept that the reason that I left was what was best for me at that point in time. Just like so I could see that what my sister was doing, she believed was for best for her at the time. Just like the same aspect, let's take it to the full spectrum. Just like the same conversation I had with my mother. What my mother did at the time was the best thing she did at the time. Just like simply what I did was the same fucking narrative. And I had to understand that to understand the guilt. Because until then, I wouldn't take an accountability for my life. I wouldn't take any responsibility for my life. I just kept hiding my anger behind other people. So of course every reflect so of course every relationship I get into by default, I'm automatically looking for those red flags. I'm looking to ignore the red flags. And it isn't even ignoring the red flags. I'm looking for the red flags so I can prove myself. I'm looking for the lack of accountability so I can prove myself. And I talked about that in the suppressing and repressing narrative. I was looking for the red flag so I can continue repressing my memories, repressing my shadow, so I could use what they were not willing to do because I wasn't willing to do it to suppress my vulnerability. You see how that cycle keeps repeating itself? Yeah. It keeps repeating itself. I said something uh, in... Monday's video is available on my YouTube channel, Gotta Call Alchemist. The biggest casualty in your exalting, in your becoming, in your rising into yourself, dealing with the negative aspects of your shadow, is when you look and you become present in that guilt, that doubt, that insecurity, that deeply wound of whoever hurts you first. And you go through that process. Just like it echoes forward, this is the aspect of healing. Similar to like when you're doing a detox and your body goes through your childhood sicknesses, how you got sick when you were little. I ain't had the flu, I ain't got sick in months. Bet you all of a sudden now you do a detox and now you get in the flu. Your body's going through the reverse engineering. So just like you felt it going up, you're going to feel it going down. And I know that this is one of the things that a lot of people, when it comes into their healing, tapping in with their demons, that's one of the things a lot of people don't want to face. Because the same way that it came up, the same way it is, the same is going to magnify, the same way it magnified going up, is going to magnify going down. That means not only when you apologize to your pops, apologize to your moms, but now it's going to be the echo of guaranteed all of your ex is going to come out the woodwork. Now, from the unconscious perspective, when you get into a new relationship or when you break up with somebody, you always notice that your ex come up out of nowhere or something come up out of the... And then that's your moment of assessment. 
that's your moment of assessment. <clears throat> that's when you always hear people talk about, hey, don't allow being alone to have you going back to accept some toxic shit from people. That's when you hear that. Don't avoid that toxicity. I'm not saying go get involved, but I'm saying go have a conversation. The same, it's the same process. Forgiveness, acknowledgement, acceptance, forgiveness, acceptance, and thanking. There's more to this process, but that's like the baseline streamline of the process. There's the internal work and all the other aspects. But go ahead that conversation with your ex. Yes, Lucy was telling you go have a conversation with your ex. If you can have a conversation, that's like that one question. People are like, if all of your exes were in the room, what would the conversation be like? That's a very honest question. That's a very honest question. That's like the same question. If I posted a question on my uh, Facebook page. If I asked you, do you need your ex? And your response is, fuck my ex. Guess what? You need your ex. No, I don't. You need your ex to validate your behavior. Just like you still need your mom and your dad to validate your behavior. That's why you haven't went back there and dealt with. That's why you ain't dealt with that wound yet, whether you know it or not, whether you want to accept it or not. That's the reason you haven't said. That's the reason you ain't done went back there and done that work yet, because you need that, because that's gonna force you to no longer exist as your emotional wound. Yeah, you have to accept. That there will always be casualties in your rising. If you're still looking at regret, I guarantee, I can guarantee you, if you have a regret about something in your life, I can guarantee you, if you really go sit with it, you really go sit with it, it defines your trauma and it doesn't define you. It defines your trauma and it doesn't define you. I can guarantee you that. Guaranteed. When you go back and look at your regrets, your guilt, the decisions that you've made, the mistakes that you made, the reason that they stay so prevalent and keep echoing, that voice in the back of your head keeps echoing is because they represent the existence of you based in your trauma. You, you just keep running you just keep running away, love. Keep running away, beloved. It's time to sit down. And if you're ready to sit down, you should really be listening to the plug talk. I desire you to be the fucking best. After these last messages, we gonna get into the closeout. Hey, hey, hey. 
as always, as always, you know, we gotta leave y'all with that close out of that opener. I just want you to be the fucking best. I want you to be great. Understanding that this healing is destructive. Accepting that it's gonna take a level of honesty that is needed to break you. So, looking at those red flags, understanding the process of awakening by design, and there will be casualties to you becoming the authentic authority in your life. You are destined for greatness. That does not mean you are entitled to greatness. It means that the roles that you create on the road to your greatness have a purpose, have a plan on that path. The conflict shapes your design of your path. If you avoid, remember, you're gonna see the obstacles. When you become aware, you start to see the opportunities. You got one of two choices. Either you can evolve or repeat. Been another episode of the God Hour Podcast. Appreciate you for rocking out with Lucy. And until next week, be the fucking best. I'll show you.